Welcome to another episode of Pilgrim Devotion. I'm your host, Michael Howard, the senior pastor of Seaford Baptist Church. And this is a podcast for people inside and outside of Seaford Baptist Church. Anyone who is living the pilgrim life, representing the kingdom of God in the kingdom of man. And I am here today with two guests. And uh, really, I guess it's nighttime. We're recording this a couple weeks before it's going to come out. But two guests here with us tonight. Kenny Van Horn, who is a man with a foot in... Man, by the time this podcast comes out, you will have been voted on, hopefully in the positive, at West End Baptist Church. You are the pastoral candidate for their senior pastor position. That is true. Is that what it's called, a senior pastor there? Uh, I don't think they do senior associate. I think it's just kind of, it's the plurality of elders, so... um, But it's the full-time pastoral position. So, yeah, you're, you're the... And you will be the main teaching pastor, yeah, teaching yeah. elder at the church yeah. there, if everything goes well, yeah. which we hope it will. Well. And you are currently, what is your title at Old Powhatan Baptist? Associate pastor at Old Powhatan. Associate. We do use titles at Old Powhatan. So. Yes. <laughs> so uh, this is a man that is in a church that he loves and being called to a church that uh, he is having his heart knit to, and uh, it's very exciting for him. And we have with us Pastor Jeff Beard from Muddy Creek Baptist Hello, Church. Oh, Mike. <laughs> that's your radio voice? Uh, yeah, that's my radio voice. I like it. So, uh, collectively, I see I've known Jeff since I was a teenager, and I've known Kenny since I was a teenager. I've right. known Kenny, I mean, since like riding the bus together yeah. in seventh grade. Yeah. So, we're Powhatan through and through here. Yeah. Where are you from originally, Jeff? I uh, grew up in Illinois, small town, farm town in Illinois. That's right, because you're a Bears fan. Yes. 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 And <laughs> Kenny and I are both Powhatan, born and raised. That's right. We yeah. came up through Powhatan Elementary School, Powhatan Middle School, Powhatan High School. Did the yeah. whole thing. So, yeah, we, uh, we're here. Uh, this is just a free-flowing conversation. We just happen to be hanging out. Kenny and I are going to opening uh, the opening day of the Commanders on Sunday. That's right. And we did this exact same thing last year. This is becoming an annual tradition, coming to Jeff's house before we go to D.C. and watch some football. So um, we didn't record a podcast last year. We did not. If this goes well, maybe com- it'll be the annual Jeff and Kenny guest podcast. I'd love to have you more on more than annually for sure. We have a great time talking theology, talking Christ, talking just uh, getting caught up. It's always great, and I'm glad you guys come. Yeah, but yeah, I'd love to Thank have you guys more us. often. We're down here in the catacombs. Yes. Yeah, so you have this is a, there's the three levels of the beard home. There's the upper room, yeah, where prayer takes place, and then the the main the main uh, communal area, yeah, <laughs> and then the catacombs, the basement, which is where I decided I was going to go to seminary, yeah. not far from where I'm sitting. Uh, I remember I was kneeling next to you, so you were like on your computer. You were you were there in some very important moments in my life. Uh, so uh, yeah, you were on your computer looking through like the Liberty Church planting evangelism. I did not end up planting a church, but <laughs> looking through the like the requirements, okay. you know, to major. Like, what were the classes be? And you're like, this is right up your alley. I think this is what you should do. So, well, yes. Well, um, move on from that. And well, Liberty. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I remember because. Uh, I use Logos Bible software, which you do now, but I, I, I've been using it since it first came out, really, and it was on diskettes, and I just lost probably most uh, half of your audience of what are diskettes. But so 
I was going to get rid of most of my library. I don't know if you remember that. I said, Michael, come over and choose any of any of these books. Yes, and I do remember that. Boxes, I boxed them all up because they were now in my library, my Logos library. And uh, Calvin's commentary. Yes, I still have them on my shelf. Uh, and all of that. And outside of probably just that times three is about all I have, really, some things. But it was, yeah, handing that stuff over to you uh, was something that really was from my heart. I was so glad I could put that into your life. Yeah, I, so there's that. You, at the time you gave me books, time I decided I was going to go to seminary. Uh, you were there. So, I mean, when I was, I was working at Heaven and Earth, I'd really run from the Lord. I'd only been back in the local church for about eight, nine months. And you walked into Heaven and Earth and looking Christian bookstore looking for me. Uh, asking if I was still interested in ministry, and I think I told you to go talk to some friends of mine. Yeah, you did. You did. You said go talk to us. You should talk to so and so. I said no. I want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then, I mean, you know, I I remember coming to you and I was having questions about Reformed theology, and you know, the reason I ran from the, the reason I ran away from the Lord was to, was for sin, but the excuse I had was why is God creating people that He knows would never choose them. That was bothering the mess out of me. And I felt like nobody was giving me a straight answer. And I remember I came to you and I was like, I figured it out. And uh, wh whatever whatever <laughs> I thought I had figured out, I hadn't. And you were like, oh no, that's not <laughs> That's that. wrong. <laughs> so, and uh, I remember sitting, you know, we used to do youth group inside. It was almost like a screen that got pulled around to kind of divide up the different parts of yeah. the fellowship hall at Old Powhatan. And we were doing youth group in that little uh, area, and we sat in there and talked, and you encouraged me to read R.C. Sproul's Chosen by God, which was an important book in my life. But what was more important, honestly, that book, I got that, and I before I read it, I, I set it down. I was like, I'm not going to read this. I got Holiness of God and read that instead. Um, and then I read Chosen by God. You, you were, after reading Holiness of God, it was... Was it, I need to read more from this guy? Was um, it that? I'm, I'm in a rocking chair and I thought I was going over uh, just now. So I'm glad this isn't a video podcast. Uh, so the holiness of God, uh, Deuteronomy 7. I don't think that Sproul was even really making a point about Reformed theology in the... Uh, I did not get that one from his book that he's trying to... Yeah, make a point on Reformed theology. And yet, he I remember he was saying, uh, for, for you are people holy to the Lord your God, this is Deuteronomy 7, 6. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you. And Sproul was making the point that, like, but God's holiness, his otherness, what's different than us is that um, he can choose to love just because of who he is. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need to be compelled by a reason beyond himself. Um, that it, like, It's just his free choice right. to love Israel. In Deuteronomy 7, he's saying, I love you because I love you. I chose you because I love you. And then you go back to the beginning of the chapter and it says... When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mighty than you, I was like, 
well, he, he didn't choose to love those other ites the way he chose to love Israel, and suddenly I just didn't have a problem anymore with the idea of election. And that's what that book did for me. So then I was ready to read Chosen by God and go, okay, explain this to me further. Uh, and then I was probably at a point where I shouldn't talk to anybody about it for three years. <laughs> yeah, that's usually what happens. It's like, just calm down, you know, because it has to percolate, right? And, uh, but I, I, anybody listen here, I, and I hope it's okay for me to say, if you haven't read The Holiness of God, you need mm -hmm. to read that book. Absolutely. That's one of those books that will change your view of God. Yes. Period. Mm -hmm. And when you think you know God, read that book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that people want to build a ladder. Uh, Van Til talks about, you know, build a ladder to God. People want to, from the ground up, start saying, okay, well, maybe God's like this, and he's like this, and he's like this. And by the time they climb up to the sky, they meet a God that looks just like them. <laughs> and what the holiness of God did for me is I think Sproul just presents that classical view of God where he's just like, he's like, no, just from the top down. And he presents a God that, um, he presents a God that is, is, it's holy. He is other and he's not like us. I mean, I, I, it was a very, very important theological book for me. It's a book that I think the Lord hasn't returned 200 years from now. People will look at it as a classic for yeah. this generation. It's so. Chosen by God, I think, has that also. But the holiness of God, by all means. And and just to, and Kenny, you're being quiet. So uh, <laughs> I was going yeah, to ask him <laughs> for some important Jeff moments for, in his life, if he had any. But let you that, think about that. <laughs> this This whole idea of, you know we conceive a God of our own making, uh, we do that. And, and like I'm, I'm preaching through Ephesians, okay? And I think I'm on Sermon 68 or something like that. And in, and, the end of uh, chapter one, he's finally, chapter, he's finally finished <laughs> chapter one. <laughs> Cha chapter four, <laughs> I'm in chapter four. But you know, when Paul said, he who ascended also descended, you mm -hmm. know, and he descended, ascended, you know, and we just so we don't get it we don't get what christ how it's not distance it's position right it's it's not um christ his position his pre-incarnate position and then who he became when he as an, the incarnate god we don't really get how great that was mm. when he de descended from that to the man god the god man we still haven't grasped that because we're still we're still trying to fit him into our view of what man is or what we think god is this goes along with what you said yeah mm. kenny you have any uh do you remember any old palatan jeff moments here uh oh, this is scary it's funny. I remember one. I'm not going to bring it up. It was it was more of a scathing rebuke. We were because we, we received some of those from you as well. I, I will say I remember. So when I first came to Old Powhatan after my first year at Liberty, um, and you were associate pastor. Yeah, should we make we should make that clear. which is so which Jeff is an interesting thing. So you held the office years before I held the office of associate pastor at Old Powhatan Baptist Church. Um, you were also interim for a time, correct? Very short time. Yeah, a very short time. Brad came on, 
which was he the man that got it. It's it's great. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I was at Liberty uh, back in oh four oh five, and this was when Ergen Canner was president of the seminary, and uh, they very much had a, an anti-Calvinist temperature uh, there, and. And when I came to Old Powhatan after the doing uh, the first year there, and you and I were talking, and uh, and you, we were talking about marking up our Bibles, you know, underlining, making notes, and you were like, "Oh yeah, in my Bible, I've got that blank pages. I can just put all kinds of notes, and I put and right here. I've got tulip, and I've got all the verses oh, that correspond with tulip." And it was like scandalizing. I'm like tulip. How did you get in here? <laughs> I was warned of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was literally, I think, my first exposure to a, a, really? a real life Calvinist in the wild. <laughs> and you were a whole lot nicer than what they told oh, me you the would be. <laughs> and I didn't have that pointy beard. You didn't have the pointy beard. But you are a beard, so that's right. It, uh, you make up for it. I think people at our church don't uh, maybe not realize that about me. I mean, I. I I didn't yeah cards on the table I think people know at this point after 13 years that uh, I'm reformed in in my understanding of how God saves, um, and I'm glad that you all did not know me in those first couple <laughs> of years because man when I was at Liberty I I think I was pretty I think I was pretty obnoxious um, because it wasn't a place where people you know it wasn't Southern Seminary there wasn't much people running around. Uh, so, teaching, you know, run a bunch of Reformed professors or run people having you read J.C. Ryle or read, read the Puritans. Uh, so we were reading the full Elmer Towns How to Grow a Church Library uh, while we were there. And it kind of makes you either either just completely uh, hide or go antagonistic. And I was pretty antagonistic because I had come from VCU where uh, there was I was constantly in classes with people who were saying really asinine things about the Bible, like on from their their podium. Uh, these professors, uh, I joked with the church. I think this past Sunday. Uh, so again, this is recorded two weeks. Uh, you're going to hear this two weeks from now. But in a recent sermon, I was joking with the church about how I actually had a professor who said that because Jesus cursed the fig tree, he was anti-environment. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I mean, that was the sort of stuff you do with the VCU. So then I go to Liberty guard up fresh with this understanding of the Bible that really I didn't have much understanding of. And I probably had that same sort of defensive attitude at times. And the Lord dealt with me on that actually years later when I worked for Pat Robertson. When I worked at CBN at the Prayer Call Center, I had such a bad attitude towards the charismatics I worked with. And some of them were out there, okay? Out there. Like, they had left the ballpark, they had left the parking lot, they were at the Denny's across the street burning it down, okay? so um, But then, there were brothers and sisters there that just had a different view on sign gifts than me. And I remember one time sitting in the chapel, and this guy was up there talking, and he was, um, I don't remember what he was talking about. I don't think it had anything to do with the gift of tongues, or with healing, or prophecy, or anything. But I knew he was charismatic, and I was just sitting there, just kind of like loathing everything he was saying. And the Lord is just like, who do you think you are? Like, wh what sort of policeman do you think you are that you get to sit here and despise your brother because of this disagreement that you have with him? That's your brother. <laughs> I died for him. 
And I, I've, the Lord shattered me on that. And I don't, I walked to my desk and I had an email that I had gotten this other job. And that was the last day I worked there. And I think the Lord was like, I'm going to bring you here and you will stay here until you learn not to despise your brothers and sisters over third tier issues or even second tier issues mm -hmm. that you, you know, hey, we can't go to church together, but um, we and can you, still love each other. You know, yeah. I think too, go ahead and should be said that liberty has changed a, a bit. We could say a lot of things about liberty, but I think some of the tone that they've taken particularly towards Calvinism or Reformed theology has changed. I mean, it's softened. They had Piper preach it at uh, You may have just heard Jeff's grandkids, which is a wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> Upstairs in the communal area. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just don't think liberty is still the bastion of anti-Calvinism that it may have been under uh, previous administrations. I completely agree. I mean, I had a professor who said in class that limited atonement was heresy, which is just absolutely ridiculous. I also had Dr. Mitchell, who was a four-point Calvinist and was super generous toward people from both sides. And uh, some may say a four-point Calvinist is no Calvinist at all. He was a Fullerite, kind of that Andrew Fuller yeah. uh, sort of soteriology. Uh, he, um, That's how Dr. Wilmington was. The yeah, dean, the dean of the Bible Institute. I mean, just... The dean of the Bible yeah. Institute. So it, but Dr. Canner, at the time that I was there, was such a loud figure... And I'm not going to, we don't need to get into Ergen Canner right, here. The guy's right, been right. through a lot, um, like since he left Liberty, that's pretty awful. And I hope that he's okay. Like, I hope his life is good and I hope he's walking with the Lord. I don't know about, much about where he's at now, but he, um, when he was there, I just remember him like, like literally in chapel one time, like slapping the, the pulpit, you know, thunder, the boom on the microphone, you know, all means all and, and getting the, yeah, from the crowd. And that was the scene there you know, for a time. And I'm sure Dr. Mitchell and Dr. Wilmington are probably sitting in the wings going, Ugh. <laughs> like, because there were so many professors there that were wonderful. And I am thankful for my time at Liberty. Um, I'm thankful I didn't go to seminary in an echo chamber. But at the same time, if I ever go back to school, I will go somewhere that is a bit more like-minded because after two, the two degrees I have came from experiences where I was, in the minority, you know, and, 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 and I would like to go somewhere where I, I can swim in it a little bit more freely. You know? well, you're at that point <clears throat> now where you want to sharpen the tip right. on, on all your convictions and your, your theology. It's, yep. it's, the exposure period is over. Now you're like, these are my convictions. I'm convinced. I just need to fine tune it. But to do that, you have to be willing to get out the... Well, I don't know what you sharpen a tip of an arrow with, but uh, <laughs> the flint, I don't know. Um, whatever it is, the iron that sharpens the iron, you have to be willing to get it out. You have to be willing to even kick the tires on your own beliefs. We were talking uh, before we went live on air here about Back me. in the green room. Yeah, back in the green room. Just about things that we are interested in. Like, the, like, like post-millennialism, the idea of Christian optimism compels me, but there's so much about post-millennialism I have to reject and that I can't roll with. And I just feel like, um, I feel like, where was I going with that? I'm buffering now. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to be willing to kick the tires. Like, so I've been teaching the church from this all-millennial perspective for over a year, so definitely no one's going to be surprised hearing about that. Um, so over a year I've been, you know, I'm teaching that, but as you're doing it, you're kicking the tires and you're going, is this really what the text says? Should I be taking everything here is, 
you know, symbols and allusions pulling me back to God's word in the Old Testament? Is it right for me to see this in seven cycles and not a linear timeline? Like, you're, it's good for you not to just assume all the time. I have all, I have all the right interpretation about everything. Like, you have to be doing that work as a pastor, as a teacher, to kick the tires constantly. You you have to constantly be not only learning but checking. Am I learning right? I've been in you know reading the Puritans for. I don't know. I don't want to take. The time. I'm so but, jealous. I'm so jealous so, that you've been reading them so but, long. But I, I, I still cannot be that that little baby crawling on the floor, putting anything in its mouth. Mm. You know, even and follow just because they are reformed. Whether you know, because really some of the reformers, picture. I really like. A lot that. of the Puritans yeah. were not on track either. So just because sure. they have that 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 label slapped on them that they were part of the Puritan age or whatever, or reformers, reform, you know, some of the reformers, you, you wouldn't want to follow either. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's this constant, constant learning. I mean, I, I, it's it's what you can't just, we talk, Kenny and I talk all the time about this. You can't just pick a guy. You can't just say like, I, I, I really like Jeff Durbin a lot. I don't know if you ever listen to him. Uh, Big beard guy, Apologia Radio. I know who he is, right. Um, I, that guy's preaching. I mean, his series in Proverbs has just been phenomenal. Uh, I listen to him on Sundays before I preach. Okay. Uh, when I'm working out on Sunday mornings, I'll usually will take in a De Jeff Durbin sermon and then I head off to church. But I can't just sign up for like the full mm -hmm. Jeff Durbin playbook because he's a post-millennialist and he's a theonomist and I completely reject it. Completely reject it. And yet there's other things that he's doing and saying that I'm like, this is brilliant, he's wonderful, this is great. Just in the same way, it's like I love Tom Schreiner's commentary on Revelation, but I don't agree with him on everything in there. I think that's, you know? a, that, that's a really healthy place to be. To be able to have a guy that you respect, that you can learn a lot from, but to be able to say, on this one thing, I gotta disagree. To be able to have that level of discernment and... Like you said, you're not the baby, just picking everything about the food and putting it in your mouth. You gotta test it. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. And, and you also have to always stay to that point of, I may realize later I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and so, uh, and that's where it's the word. It's not tradition. It's not uh, the reformers. It's not, it's not even a confession at the end of the day, although I think confession is very helpful for us to be able to articulate what we believe from the word, we are not standing on confessions primarily. We are standing on the word of God. Um, that might push you to be confessional. Uh, it certainly pushes me to do that. But, Same here, yeah. Yeah, but, but at the end of the day, it is the self-revelation of God. That's that's how we know what we know. Brad told me one time. Brad Russell, senior pastor. Old senior pastor at Old yeah, came after Jeff. Yeah. That's the who Jeff was talking about is the man that God God always has a man the next man up right and uh, he had Brad ready. I mean, Brad was made for Old Palatine. There's just no doubt Amen. about it. Brad told me one time. He said we there should be no view that we hold so tightly that the Bible can't change. Mm -hmm. And I was like, write write that down. <laughs> So I'm stealing it now. That's going to be my, my little thing. And that's the humility that, that you you learn, that the Lord teaches you, and I still need more of it. Absolutely need more of it. With that said, what have you been reading, Jeff, these days? Wow. 
Um, I know you probably you're rotating five. <laughs> uh, so one of them is uh, is not necessarily one of those uh, seminary books, and I've mentioned it to you in the past. It's actually a book that the men in our church are going through together, and it's one of the books that I think every Christian should read. It's called Humility. Um, not the C.J. Mahaney book. No, this is by Andrew <laughs> Murray. Back, wrote it in the 1800s. But there's, somebody came along and it has a modern version of it, like Pilgrim's Progress, you sure. know? Yeah. Right. So I, I, it's called Humility. So it's a small book. Uh, so the men in, I picked it out for the men in the church. We're going to meet uh, and go over maybe three chapters at a time. So we met the first, this was early this year, and we we met, that was the goal. We're going to hit three chapters. We never got through the first chapter, or we barely got through the first chapter, which is probably four pages. But it's that good of a book. It's that piercing. If you will read it, and of course we discussed it, so we're bringing in how it hit each one of us and the applications. Uh... I don't know how many people are familiar with Andrew Murray, but he's got books on prayer and missionary, sure. etc. But uh, I would just say that, and again, it's not this, you know, seminary book. Um, but yeah, yeah, I know um, J.C. Ryle and his book on holiness. Is it, I'm just trying to wonder if there's any uh, overlapping that takes place. So Ryle's one of his big things is if you. Stop doing something purely because of the consequence of it. And that's the only reason you stopped. You're like, well, I have to stop this or I'll be in trouble. He's like, that's not repentance yeah. and that's not real holiness. Right. Exactly. Uh, does, does Murray hit on those sorts of things? Uh, yeah, that's something that he would have in there. Absolutely. Um, and I'm trying to think of the, the uh, biography I read on Riley. Um, it was a great one. Um, and, and it's the names left my mind but again that same time kind of period mm -hmm. there was just some great christian leaders going on absolutely i i'm right now i'm pretty much reading people that are dead and it's not because i am against reading people that are alive there's a lot of people that are alive writing really great things um i just spent a long time not reading people that were dead and so i feel like i got to catch up so okay. I'm one of these, I read dead guys. Mm. Again, not because there aren't some others. And one of the books I'm reading, uh, Guys Alive, which is rare, but I just love the dead guys because now I've seen them run the race. Right. Their work has stood the test of time. Yes. I mean, you're talking about some of these books, three, 400 years old. There's no yes. scandal coming. Right. Yeah. There's no scandal coming. Absolutely. Uh, especially the Puritans, the ones that were ejected from their pulpits and took to their desks yeah. and said, the desks will now be my pulpit. And, and they're, they're writing in the woods. <laughs> so they're the only way they can get to their or congregations. Yeah. And, uh, yep. Or in prison. And, uh, you read that and the urgency they write with. That's another thing that I love. It's like, I, I don't, I think actually, yes, I have Godly Man's picture with me by Watson. He, there's no time to mess around here. You know, like, Every book, I feel like every book written by anybody that was gospel-centered, quote-unquote, between like 2005 and 2015, and it's like chapter one, laying the gospel foundation. 
Thomas Watson is just like, look, I'm not laying the gospel foundation. I'm going to assume you know it. You picked up the book, The Godly Man's uh, <laughs> Picture, drawn with the scripture pencil. And he also just teaches the gospel through his teaching. And he just starts right in with, Holy David at the beginning of the psalm shows us wherein true happiness consists, not in beauty, honor, riches, the world's trinity, but in the forgiveness of sin. And the book starts with, you want to be a godly man? Happy is the man that's forgiven. You got to be forgiven, man. Starts there. That's the gospel. Yes. Right? But he doesn't do it through, quote unquote, laying the gospel foundation. I hate to, gosh, I'm not trying to sound ugly, but some of those books, they just all said the same thing in chapter one for a long time. He goes through, one, the forgiveness of sin is an act of free grace. Two, God in forgiving sin remits the guilt and the penalty. Three, the forgiveness of sin is through the blood of Christ. Four, before sin is forgiven, it must be repented of. Five, God having forgiven sin, he will no longer call it to remembrance. And that's the end of chapter one. That's it. You know, and then he moves on to uh, whatever is next there. Uh, a lot of a lot of the yeah. church, guys, let me, let me, maybe I should pose this as a question. Uh, does it seem like a lot of American Christians are are so um, their their taste buds, their palate is for more of the um, a modern Christianity as opposed to the directness and the passion of some of these Puritans. One of the things I like about the Puritans and, and like and you kind of pointed that was they keep pointing us to Jesus and it's Jesus and it's Jesus and it's Jesus where is modern American Christianity yeah we know that tell us how to do this yeah is that yeah I mean I think the worst examples of it certainly are I, I think I'm gonna be try to be uh, generous and say that there's that you can still find guys you can still find writers that have that Puritan spirit about them yeah the urgency the directness the, the seriousness so let without me get, being dry so let me give you one full Jared, of humor you know today you gotta throw in a bunch of stories and a bunch of humor yeah okay just I wanna hear the truth but let, go ahead let I let me give you one you. Jared C. Wilson like I, he's one of those guys that I really appreciate. He's still alive, um, but good for him. Yeah, uh, so he's, not <laughs> dead, he's not a dead guy, um, and he writes in a way that that anybody could read. You could give, yeah, you could give Jerry, uh, a that the packaging, if you will, is devotional, um, Christian living, right? But the stuff that he's saying, uh, you could you could read on the page. I think of. The best of the Puritans. Yes. I, well, I think his two books on ministry that he yeah. put out in the last few years, he had uh, a thing was called, is it Gospel Driven Ministry? It's Gospel Driven Church. Church and Gospel Driven yeah, Ministry. Yeah, yeah. And one is about the church, one's about the pastor. Yeah. And Excellent. Yeah, so it's, it's the same stuff that is being, that, that John Owen is writing about. Mm -hmm. It's just being presented in a, in a, a, modern way for us to you know for people to be but, able to read yeah. to grasp understand but i but think he, the difference is and maybe this is what you're getting at jeff is is he's not he's just speaking the language of the day in which he is in he's not trying to go beyond something to make it more appealing or good. make it more attractional yeah. or, or get, and i think that's maybe what you were kind of at in fact uh he came from the attractional model and, and basically wholesale rejected it um, and a lot of his ministry is kind of speaking to that. 
Um, but yeah, so he writes plainly, which I think the Puritans would uh, commend him on. And uh, but it's 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 the gospel truth. Michael Reeves is another one. I think Michael, Michael Reeves, Reeves is wonderful. Right, yeah. You've mentioned that I have him on my my list. <laughs> the we all list. we all have you yes, know that list. That, that list. I'm going to read every book on my list, and I projected by the year 2051. <laughs> and then you, yeah, you keep learning about new books, and uh, some of us are bad about buying those books. And the list is a very tangible thing on the side. Absolutely, of your <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons I tell people with the Puritans. I don't really recommend, if you want to start reading them, just picking up, you know, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment and start plowing through it. I would encourage you to add whatever you're going to read into your devotional time and read them devotionally as a part of your your discipline. I, I, I would take them like medicine. I, I really would. That's how I started. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Is to, to, I would, so I'm going through my, you know, obviously Bible first, right? I'm going to make sure I have my Bible time. I'm going to have my prayer time. I'm not going to forsake the, the word or, or uh, prayer for the Puritans. But then just to add in five to ten minutes a day where you just take a, a Thomas Watson book. And, and because they write in these little sections and these little bullet points, you can just be like, oh, I'm just going to read these four bullet points that Watson has here. And just take, that's it for the day. And however long it takes you to get through the book, that's fine. But that method this year, I've been able to get through, I think, six or seven Puritan books this year. Just using that method. Um, just reading devotionally in the morning as a part of my daily discipline. And I really encourage people to, to do that. And I do encourage people to start with Thomas Watson. He is just cotton candy. He's so easy to read. Um, even more so than Bunyan. He is so yeah, easy Bunyan, to read. Bunyan is definitely easy to read. And if you haven't read Pilgrim's Progress, again, read it. That's a great place to start. Yeah, and we're going to be doing that January 1. <laughs> uh, to, if I put a little plug in for our Seaford folks, you can get uh, your copy uh, after Thanksgiving. We'll be putting those out. All right. Yes, and I'll, and I'll back you on that. That was a book that really affected my Christianity. When I read that, it was probably, may have been the first Puritan book. And now I've, you know gone on and read his other where I've got all his works but they have um, a uh, version written for kids yeah they do progress. They and do. I read through that with Corbett and they have modern, modern versions don't yeah. read one of the King James versions but in my opinion but let me throw this out about the because we're talking a lot about reading the Puritans and you're promoting it and uh, but some Puritans are very hard to read. They are. Like John I find John Owen to be pretty tough. His one sentence can be half a page long. Always. And <laughs> uh, and you're going, okay, let me try that pair let me try that page again, which is one sentence. So Christian Contentment was the first Puritan book I read all the way through. And I did it just like you said not to do it. That was the first one I started with and I just would sit down and read until I just wanted to like punch myself in the face. It was, <laughs> it was not the way to do it. It, it they, again because we're talking fifteen hundreds mm -hmm. maybe maybe sixteen hundreds. Uh, Thomas Brooks is I love Thomas Brooks. He's kind of like a pastor to me, and I've got all his works. Uh, and I find him, and it's maybe because I've read so much, but I find him 
uh, easy to read. You get mm-hmm. used to the way some of them talk. I think, thank you. That's Ri- like Richard Baxter was my, my starter drug. He was the first one I read. <laughs> and it was on accident. I just, uh, I stumbled into the Reform Pastor. The Reform Pastor. I bought it just because it looked good. Oh, I'm, really? I'll be honest. I, I knew it was a book I was supposed to read. I oh. Because I went to Liberty, I was not made to read it in seminary. And... Uh, Crossway put out that new red one, the abridged version with the gold writing on it. And I was like, look at that thing. And I love the cover and I bought it because it just looked like a classic book. I was like, I want to own that and I'll get to it. And then it came in and I started thumbing through it. And I saw where he said, if you have too many people in your church for them to know you, then you need to start another church or get more pastors. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, this book was written in 1656 or something. I was like, wait, wait a second. I can't believe he just said that. I was like, what? And then I kept going and I was like, this is unbelievable. This is so practical. Yes. This isn't, this guy wasn't talking about something that's out of touch. Like this is what I need right now. And so then I got from there is Baxter sent me on. He's the one that set me off. Uh, And Watson I've held off on because I know, I knew I was like, once I get in, I'm not coming out for a while because I, I read a little bit of Doctrine of Repentance and I was like, oh my gosh, look at this. This is amazing. Like, I, I love the tone of it and everything. And I was like, I better stay away from Thomas Watson so I can finish some of these other books I wanted to finish. you Because you put me on the heart of Christ. But have you, re- have you read that yet? Yes, I did it. Oh my goodness, that is great. Now, he, that's challenging. I love that, that's it. a it's challenging, a challenging book. book to read. And if you, but if you can get through it, it... It's a gold mine about Jesus. Blew my mind the thing, the impressions on your heart that you get from the Holy Spirit when when the Spirit is urging you, compelling you, telling you to do something or don't do something. That He's like a secretary carrying the messages from the right hand of God to you. I mean, when I read that for the first time, I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> you know, Jesus, Jesus is talking to us through the Spirit." Um, I. I think if that book was book. written in a little bit, again, bring it up to some modern language, everybody needs to read it. Because it is hard to read. There, Mike McKinley has a book. I think it's called Friendship with Christ, Union with Christ. Uh, Friendship with God, A Path to Deeper Fellowship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And basically what he's done is he's taken Owen and I guess you could say paraphrased him. John Owen. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, for the reason that you're saying, just take. I think he read it on a sabbatical. I think, and I uh, was like, man, I gotta like, I gotta be able to give this to people because they're not gonna read Owen on their own. And uh, I haven't read this. I just know about it. It's, but it's, it's right. What you're. It's exactly what you're just saying. Somebody take this and put it in a way that everybody can read it. Yeah. I, I think Gentle and Lowly took a lot of Goodwin and a lot of Sibs and put mm-hmm. it together. Uh, so. Do you all want to talk for a little bit longer? Or do you need yeah. to go to bed? If I don't look at the clock. As long as, uh, as, long as Jeff will uh, tolerate us. We're going to stop here, and we're going to go to a part two that maybe won't be as long as part one. But uh, we'll be back. Uh, and before we go, let me ask the questions that we ask at the end of every episode. Christian, church member, how is your soul doing? Pause if you need to. Really take time to think about it. Second question, how is God's grace at work in your life? Third question for you, how would you like his grace to be at work in your life? Where do you feel like, oh, I need to grow in this area? I certainly wish I could see God move here. 
Think about those questions, and if you need to talk to a pastor after you've considered those questions, reach out to us, connect at SeafordBaptist.com, and we will get back in touch with you very quickly. Until next time, keep living the pilgrim life. Thank you.